Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can always download the free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 50 with a word to sustain the weary. Isaiah 50 is what you want tonight. Isaiah chapter 50. We're looking at the third of four servant songs, prophetic uh, pictures of the Messiah and the book of Isaiah. Father, we want to thank you for the word of God tonight and thank you for the precious people that have come out on a Wednesday night to honor their king, to hear from you, to grow as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You know where we are. You know every heart. You know what we need. You know how we need to be encouraged, exhorted. You know who's here tonight with a hurting heart just holding on. You know others who are here who are going through different situations and those who just need to be stirred a little bit more. Whatever it is tonight, Lord, we just want to pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we finished up Isaiah 49 last time, the captives are pictured as speaking a question. They're hearing this good news about this servant that has come to bring Jacob back, but they ask a question. It's found in Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion said, and commentators believe that that's pointing to the people who would be in captivity in Babylon. They said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Those apparently were the two Uh, phrases that came on their lips in their hearts over and over again. And I don't want to assume for a second that that might not be something that has resonated in your soul. And that can really sometimes happen when we're in a circumstance where we feel abandoned. And let's face it, there are times as Christians where we feel abandoned. We know the reality of truth. We, We know Bible verses. We can quote them. We can even give you the address of them. But there are times in our lives where we may feel forsaken and feel like the Lord has forgotten us. And then the Lord gave this promise. He said, can a woman, 15, Isaiah 49, forget her nursing child and have no compassion, and God is a compassionate God, on the son of her womb, 49, 15, end of the verse, Even these may forget. Even if a mother, an extreme rare case, could forget, God says, I will not forget you. So he answers the question emphatically. He says, I will not forget you. In Hebrews 13, 5, we all stand upon the promise, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's a promise that you can stand on. In your Christian life, you're going to go through times Uh, where maybe you're feeling really good about things and maybe you're feeling pretty low about things. And one key for you as a Christian to know tonight is your identity in Jesus Christ. You need to know who you are in Christ. You are forgiven. You are loved. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you read the end of Romans uh, 8, Around 38 and 39, Paul goes through all these things, created things, angels, life, death, height, depth, uh, life and death, etc., etc., and says none of these things will ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Romans 8 
ends with, uh, Romans 8 opens with, there is no condemnation. Romans 8 ends with, there is no separation. And in between, we get the good news of God's majestic love for us. That's really what God's saying here. He's saying, I'm not going to forget you. And then, remember, we shared this on Sunday. Behold, 49.16, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Just a beautiful promise. Skip down to verse 22. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, 49.22, set up my standard or banner to the peoples, and they will bring your sons in their bosom. Your daughters will be carried on their shoulders, and kings will be your guardians and their princesses and your nurses. They will bow down to you, speaking of the people of Israel, with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know, so God's saying it's going to end positively, and you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me, or those who wait upon the Lord, think of Isaiah 40, verse 31, will not be put to shame. Some of you just need to underline that because sometimes when we're struggling in our Christian walk, we wonder about those things. And even the servant of Yahweh is going to say that he would not be put to shame, Jesus Christ. So this is what leads in. And then verse 24 says, Can the prey be taken from the mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? That's the question for those who were in Babylonian captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Can we really be rescued from this state that we're in? Surely, thus says the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away. So God says, yes. The answer to your question is yes, you will be made free. That would come at the end of the 70 years. And the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with those, with the one who contends with you. God speaking of those who contend with Israel. And I will save your sons. I will bless those who bless you. That's that promise from the book of Genesis. And I will feed your oppressors. Look at this. You don't want to be an oppressor of these people with their own flesh. And they will become drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob, which is another name for Israel. So God assures them that his promises are true. And now we move into chapter 50, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent your mother away? Now you have to keep in mind that this is all in the context of them being sent away into the captivity in Babylon, which did last 70 years. Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, now God says, if you're wondering about a certificate of divorce, and this is a reference to the book of Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, and Jesus even references this, or there's a question that comes up about divorce, and a certificate of divorce, and the the children of Israel in Babylonian captivity were basically saying, it seems to us that the Lord has divorced us that he's put us away, that he's given us the certificate of divorce. And God says, if you're asking that question, I have a question for you. Where is the certificate of divorce? And the the question implies there is none. Now we're going to look at a verse in Jeremiah in a second where it does say that the Lord gave them a certificate of divorce. So what we really want to ask then is what was the nature of that? Was it truly a a permanent breach in the covenant that God had made with Israel? 
And if not, what was, the, what was going on? Why is there this kind of divorce language between God and the children of Israel? We'll, we'll dig that out for a second. But first, let me say this. For those of you who are wanting to study and understand the covenant that God made with Israel, you need to read Genesis 15 and then keep on reading and you will see that God made an unconditional covenant with Abraham. When God cut the covenant, God was the one that passed through the animal pieces and you could read about that. And when the covenant was cut, Abraham was asleep or Abram, I think was his name at that time. The covenant was unconditional because it was based upon the faithfulness of God. That was the original covenant. Now, they did have their ups and downs, but we believe that the church has not replaced Israel. We do not believe in replacement theology. We do believe that God will work again in Israel, and there is a blindness that has happened in part to Israel. You can read Romans 11, 25 through 27, until the fullness of the Gentiles Become in. So, what we have here is the relationship between God and Israel. And the question becomes where is the certificate of divorce? And then, further, why were they sent away at all? Well, here's the reason. Behold, look at the middle of verse 1 with the word behold, you were sold, and you could put in your margin into slavery. Why? For your iniquities and for your transgressions. Your mother was sent away into a foreign land, into the land of Babylon. If you're wondering what happened to our relationship, let me tell you. God's saying, you sinned against me. And oftentimes when you read the Old Testament, what you find is that God pictures Israel as his wife who cheated on him. Read the book of Hosea. You can read other places in the Old Testament, and that's the way God depicts it. He says, basically, you cheated on me with other gods. You cheated on me spiritually. You committed adultery and you broke. And there there are passages that are mind-blowing to the student of Scripture who looks at the nature of God. There are Scriptures that say you broke my heart and you wounded the Holy One of Israel. I don't know quite how to work that through in my human mind, but that's what God says happened. And so Israel was sent away because... They had sinned against God. There was a certificate of divorce, you could say, that was put on the table. Look at Isaiah 54 with me. We'll jump ahead for a moment to get a glimpse of this relationship that God is spelling out. This is Isaiah 54, verse 5. For your husband, Isaiah 54, 5, is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord, this is 54.6, has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you, for a moment. But with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes a step closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly, that lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Uh, regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes, and, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe they have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And you wounded the Holy One of Israel. I don't know quite how to work that through in my human mind, but that's what God says happened. And so Israel was sent away because they had sinned against God. There was a certificate of divorce, you could say, that was put on the table. Look at Isaiah 54 with me. We'll jump ahead for a moment to get a glimpse of this relationship that God is spelling out. This is Isaiah 54, verse 5. For your husband, Isaiah 54, 5, is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord, this is 54, 6, has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness I will have compassion on you says the Lord, your Redeemer. So I want you to see that we get further insight and what the insight is is that God says it's true. For a time, I did put you away. For a time, I did send you away. But I will welcome you back. I forsook you, notice, for a brief moment. So when the prophets talk about uh, any kind of uh, broken relationship here in the covenant, it wasn't a permanent, fatal a breach of the covenant. The breach of the covenant happened on Israel's part, but God said, I'm not going to leave you, even though you've done this stuff to me. And I know that you know many of us can begin to resonate with these thoughts because these thoughts are the dilemma of humanity. 
uh, the divorce rate, whatever the right statistics are, if the secular divorce rate is 50%, if the church is a close second, whatever that proper uh, rate is, if we have an epidemic of broken homes, we understand that God has painted these pictures for us in terms of his relationship to us in familial terms and in marriage terms. We are the bride of Christ. And when Jesus Christ came to the earth, he came to reconcile the world back to himself. And he has given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. It's as though God were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. And so in essence, you almost become for those who are in the unbelieving world and those who maybe for whatever reason say that they have lost their faith or left the church, you become his hands and his feet or his voice in the sense of you become a reconciler. Maybe you could see yourself as a spiritual marriage counselor. And in this case, the reconciled party needs to be the one who has left their first love, which is always us. God has not moved. God is calling us to himself. He has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. And he says to his own bride Israel, his own covenant people, look, yes, it's true. I sent you away for a while. I was angry. We've all had moments. We've all had moments where, you know, in the moment something happened, it may have been right But that covenant was something that we saw as true and right and came back to it. Look at um, Isaiah 62, verse 4. Isaiah 62, verse 4. So God says of his people, it will no longer be said to you forsaken. Isaiah 62, 4. Nor to your land will it any longer be said desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. This is the reconciliation. This is what will happen in the future. And as the book of Isaiah goes on, it it tells us of a millennial reign of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 65 and 66. And that's when we'll end the book together. And it talks about that restored millennial uh, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And one of the main features that we've looked at in that end times is a marriage supper of the Lamb. It's recorded in Revelation 19, 6 through 9 and in Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. And in both those places, it talks about a banquet, a feast, where all that was wrong is made right again, where the land is restored, where there is a new Jerusalem, where once uh, the word that could be said of that land and that people is forsaken, now what will be said of that land and that people is married, reconciled to God. And their whole struggle is really a picture of what it's always been like for the people who go through this journey of faith, and that is that God pursues us and God woos us and wins us, if you will, but we go through a struggle. Even as Christians, uh, being faithful and consistent is not always easy. We know we're in a marriage relationship with the Lamb of God, but it's a good thing that he's patient with us. 
I mentioned to you my first four years as a Christian. You know, if, if he wasn't a faithful God, there's no way I'd still be a Christian because he would have kicked me out a long time ago. And still he has reasons to do so even today. But the point is that God is faithful to his covenant. And he has said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, another thing that's mentioned in Isaiah 50 is this idea of the creditors. Go back there. God says in Isaiah 50, where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent uh, your mother away? And or, and or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Now, when someone was indebted uh, to a creditor, what would happen is they themselves and their children could be sold into slavery. And so if you, had, if you owed somebody a bunch of money and you couldn't repay the debt, that creditor could take you, put you in jail and take your wife and kids and put them into slavery. Now, they're not doing that today, but that did happen. And in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18 about a king who who forgave debts, that's exactly the image that he paints. I think it's around verse 25 in Matthew 18. I think that's the correct address. And there he says that they were going to be sold into slavery. And God says, look, look at the verse. Uh, To whom of my creditors did I sell you? And the answer is no, God doesn't have any creditors. He's not in debt to anyone. But he is a redeemer. And so in one sense, they were sold to the creditors and then redeemed back. The word redemption means to what? To buy back from slavery. You've been listening to A Word to Sustain the Weary, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 50. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Can you help us pay for airtime on this station? We'd be blessed if you could help us continue in this ministry. A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. That's like the price of a cup of coffee, unless you're really fancy. Anyway, if you're blessed by this ministry and believe others in your community can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael before we go. Well, maybe you would describe yourself as a person who was once on fire, energetic. Uh, You were involved. You were a mover and shaker (laughs) in the church. Uh, Maybe you were involved in multiple Bible studies. You're doing evangelism. You're serving at your church. COVID hit. And you've bottomed out, man. You've got no desire. You can barely even tune into a live stream. What do you do now? Uh, you wake up on Sunday morning and you've gotten into a routine of just not going to the church. Remember, the church is not the building, it's the people. So if you don't come, then someone's missing. Part of the body is missing. Now, there are some people who are shut in. They can't get to a church, and we realize that, but they're probably the exception and not the rule. How about you? Has it been a while since you've been in fellowship serving the Lord? You feel tired, you feel dry, and you've just heard a word about how the Lord can give a word to sustain the weary, and certainly he does that. And maybe that's all you need to hear right now is just, Lord, sustain me. Maybe you're just completely poured out. But maybe you are that person who's fallen back 
and your habits have become that you're not connected anymore. You're MIA. It's time to get back to church. It's time to get back into the body, serving the Lord, connected, serving, giving, um, pouring your life out for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Get back today. Hey, if we can help you in any way, we've given you a couple different ways to contact us. The first one is an email, and it's contact at walkintruth.com, contact at walkintruth.com. There's also a phone number you can call, 844-48-TRUTH, during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. And if we can pray for you, help you, encourage you, reach out to us today, and we would love to reach back out to you. Well, if you have questions that you've been thinking about, we've been telling you about a new layer, a new uh, way that we are reaching out to our great listening family on Walk in Truth. It's called A Step Closer. We're doing mini-sodes as podcasts on special topics. We tackled the resurrection. We've been telling you about one on the problem of evil. And uh, we're interested to know what topics you would like tackled. For example, would it be something on marriage? Would it be something on you know, parenting or prophecy, maybe? Would you let us know by emailing us today at contact at walkintruth.com? That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, so glad you're listening. Have a tremendous weekend. Make sure you get connected to church this weekend. Go to church, serve the Lord. Praise Him, and uh, we'll see you either Sunday or Monday. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 48 called, For My Own Sake I Will Act. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.